the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Monday. Welcome to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Opelka is my name. I appreciate you being here. I uh, was fascinated, fascinated by Glenn Beck program today. The Glenn Beck program today was uh, one you could not tune away from. For anybody who was missing it, you should check it out on on the uh, download, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Just, just an amazing story. You know, after after we hear everything that we've been hearing about. Uh, the uh, transgender world to get this this story being told today just gripping gripping story so if you didn't hear it you should thank you glenn i i don't i don't know of anybody going out there on a ledge like this that story which no doubt will we'll get a lot of people saying oh they hate the transgender no it's it's about not hiding any of the truth if if you're afraid to tell the whole story, then you're not telling the truth. And that's kind of what's going on here with this transgender issue in America. So uh, I applaud Mr. Beck. I was uh, just, wow, what a comprehensive interview. Great, great Monday. Great Monday, a great way to kick off my week, your week. I want you to be a part of the show today. We are going to have a new vital question in the middle of the show, there's currently a vital question up on Twitter. Um, at StuntBrain is my Twitter handle, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. At StuntBrain is my Twitter handle. And the question deals with whether or not you would buy an electric car. Elon Musk took the wraps off 30, 30 of uh, his new Model 3s that came off the assembly line. This is the car that... Many are saying could become the iPhone of the auto industry. It could be game-changing, in other words. So let me know how you feel. I have put a deposit down on one of these cars. I have reserved one. Unfortunately, because uh, so many others did as well, I probably won't get it until sometime next summer. Could be around this time next summer. So stay tuned. Just want to know where you stand on that. But we do have another one coming up. Uh, in, in minutes, Dinesh D'Souza will be joining us. Our buddy Dinesh D'Souza. He has a new book that is out today, and we have to give it a little bit of a plug, some juice, as they say. My copy is in the mail. I have ordered my copy. I await it with bated breath. And so uh, Dinesh D'Souza, in this half hour, so you have to hang out. And if there's anything you want to know about Dinesh or his book, you can dial in as well. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. There is uh, something happening at the bottom of the hour. I'm I'm a fan of American Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you watch that show on NBC. It's something that I watch because I marvel at the accomplishments of these people, something I don't think I could ever do. And the stories that they've all come through something amazing. And uh, today we will have one of the ninja warriors, uh, the papal ninja, 
a 31-year-old gentleman who has made it through to the finals. And he's going to tell us uh, a little bit about his story. I'm fascinated with his entire story. He, as I said, he calls himself the Papal Ninja. He's a Catholic guy. But we'll, we'll meet the Papal Ninja and our buddy who walked 2,200 miles to bring attention to the plight of, of veterans who are committing suicide every day in this country, 22 a day. But he walked 2,200 miles from Tennessee to the Pacific Ocean. Ernesto Rodriguez at Ernesto will be with us as well. He has a very big announcement to make, and I'm very excited about that. Now, before we get into some of the news of the day, I have to tell you, 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 the Pure Opelka listener, are ahead of the curve. And I appreciate your support on everything. About three weeks ago, might, e- might have even been four weeks ago, on a Wellness Wednesday, we broached the topic with Dr. Jorge of a tick, a tick called the Lone Star Tick that when it bites someone, it turns them into a vegetarian. Now, that's kind of simplifying it. But here's what happens. It actually gives them a condition where they get sick when they eat meat. So it it effectively causes your body a single bite of the Lone Star Tick can cause you to have a reaction to eating meat, pigs, cows. And so you, you get like, it feels like a stomach virus. We covered it weeks ago. I'll get the exact date briefly. Um, and then I remember uh, Glenn, Pat, and Stu were talking about it last week. But now, the New York Daily News, Sunday edition of the New York Daily News, a major paper in a major city is focusing on the tick. Why? Because it's shown up on Long Island. Those rich people in the Hamptons are dealing with the Lone Star Tick. We were ahead of it, guys. And also, last week we asked the vital question, is the hot dog a sandwich? And our friend, uh, Chef Carl Ruiz, the mad Cuban, declared, despite the fact that I think it was close to 75% of you voted that the hot dog is not a sandwich, uh, Chef Carl Ruiz trumps all of you. He He is way ahead of the game. The chef said, yes, the hot dog is a sandwich. And some of his clarity on this is very simple to understand. If you take the hot dog out of the bun, it's still a hot dog, right? Yes. So you put it in the bun, it becomes something between two pieces of bread. He declared it a sandwich. You disagree? Are you going to have to talk to Carl? Because we've already... The science is settled, my friends. The hot dog is a sandwich. So is the hamburger. Just because you've created cute names for them doesn't mean they are not sandwiches. Oh, boy. Lots of drama in the White House, right? Tons of drama in the White House. And a lot of people are talking about the end of the week last week as Anthony Scaramucci, the new press secretary, appears to have gotten his way and gotten Reince Priebus to resign. Priebus out. Uh, General Kelly in, sworn in in this morning, was sitting in the, uh, the cabinet meeting with the president this morning. 
But Scaramucci's story continues to intrigue people, especially in the Northeast, and I'm sure pretty much everywhere, as uh, his personal life has now gone front and center after his wife filed for divorce, saying uh, she was something about... The, the story was she was fed up with his naked ambition. Now, Scaramucci, 53 years old, this is not his first marriage. This is his second marriage. He has three children from the first marriage. The second marriage to a woman named Deirdre Ball. He's 53. She's 38. They have a three-year-old child together. And now they have another child. She was nine months pregnant when she filed for divorce. Nine months pregnant. I'm sure... Can you imagine the stress of being nine months pregnant and your husband is is about to take a big role in the Trump White House and apparently things things are not good and you file for divorce when you are nine months pregnant? Scaramucci has asked for everyone to to kind of leave his personal affairs out of this. And I'm sure I'm sure. um, Yeah, the media is going to do that. Absolutely. Sure. Sure, just don't worry about it. They'll leave you alone. They're going through your trash. You know that. Did you think it would not happen? That's the question I always have for these guys. Did you think that they weren't going to go through every single bit of your past? There's a story on The Blaze you should follow. It talks about Scaramucci asking for privacy, and yet the liberals attack. If this were, let's put it this way, if Barack Obama's press secretary had gotten a divorce or the wife had filed for divorce a couple days before she delivered your child and the press secretary asked for privacy, do you think the liberal press would have gone on the attack? Of course not. They would have gone all over it. That's why I, I get so upset when, when, they don't, when they're not honest. When they're not honest and they're not gracious and they're not fair. All right. Yeah, I know it's a problem. Uh, also on today's agenda, are you, are you someone who sees the single payer as a fast track, an easy pass to socialism? I, I, have, I have an explanation that we will get into later in the show. But I really see a massive problem in the, uh, the fast tracking, and it seems like it is going that way, the fast tracking of uh, single payer in terms of discussions in the uh, Congress, among the senators, both sides talking about it, kind of hinting that, oh, we might have to get that way. And I want to share with you not the old story that, yes, it's the VA, it's just like the VA. No, I want to talk about the fact that single payer may be the last piece of the puzzle, the final piece of the puzzle. If, If it locks in, Suddenly, the Death Star is engaged and freedom, liberty, and capitalism are destroyed from within. We will get into that, but I need a little time. We've got, we've got some, uh, some folks we need to talk to. So I'm going to step aside right now because when, when we come back, we have a couple of minutes with Dinesh D'Souza as his new book is hitting stores today. Have you pre-ordered it? Maybe. Maybe you ought to think about it. Uh, Our friend Dinesh D'Souza, truth teller, just around the corner on Pure Opelka. 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's a great Monday already here. I know this because out of nowhere, even though I know the book is out today because I ordered my book 10 days ago, out of nowhere, Dinesh D'Souza sends me a message. Hey, the book's coming out today. I'm excited too. I know he's excited. And uh, we we had to give it a little a little spike to say, hey, the big lie is coming out, but you know, this guy's the number one selling New York Times bestselling author. He's got the second biggest political documentary in the history of political documentaries. If you saw Hillary's America, you know what I'm talking about. So welcome back to the show, Mr. D'Souza. How are you? Uh, hey, Mike, it's a pleasure. I'm very excited about the book being out today. And uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. Now, you and I talked I guess about uh, 10, 12 days ago about the fact this book was about to hit. And uh, I know what it's about. And you're, you're um, I, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but the big lie, uh, the subhead exposing the Nazi roots of the American left. Uh, this, this is an interesting clarification on the term fascism and how it so often gets thrown on people on the right, isn't it? Yeah, for a whole generation and more, the left has successfully defined fascism as a phenomenon of the right. Now, that by itself is a big lie, because fascism was always on the left. Remember, Hitler called himself a national socialist. Uh, Mussolini was the most famous Marxist in Italy uh, and the founder of Italian fascism and indeed of fascism in the world. So the point is that we're, we're victims now of a kind of deception in which the left poses as anti-fascists, you know, the Antifa movement, for example. And yet they are the ones who dress in costumes. They are the ones who use violence and intimidation. They are the ones who are using fascist tactics in the pretense that they're somehow fighting fascism. Yeah, it's, it, it's uh, ironic. And the fact that the mainstream media won't stop and point it out is irritating it just in the least. But it, it is frustrating that we can't get anyone to tell the truth here and appropriately well, the, the, you the know, book my, is the, the big reason, lie the reason that the, the reason the mainstream media and the mainstream de- democrats will never point this out is that that is their unspoken premise as well in other words if you look at all this abnormal behavior going on toward trump you know trying to get the electors not to vote for him disrupting his inauguration trying to mount a kind of dubious coup attempt against him now none of this would make any sense in fact would be recognized as completely abnormal unless we were somehow living in the 1930s all over again and trump was a kind of reincarnation of hitler so that's the premise that the left is operating upon that's what justifies their extreme tactics and so even though they might not use the same uh, be, not do the same behavior as the anti-fascists. They operate out of the same playbook. Yeah, I, I see it clearly. And, you know, I appreciate, I always talk to this audience, Dinesh, about arming themselves with uh, just quick facts that they can tell to their friends who are on the left, who throw out terms like fascism or Trump's a dictator 
or this is this is the Republican fascist coming forward. And I think your book, as in your previous books and your documentaries, offers a lot of ammunition for people who are conservatives but don't have time to do all the research you do. So I'm I'm excited for you. I I know pre-orders must have been pretty strong. I saw the line at Freedom Fest. It was huge. Yeah, the book is just you know blasting out the gate, and I'm happy to say that even Costco has put in a massive order for the book, so you can get it in Costco in addition to the normal places. And um, and I think it's because it couldn't be more relevant or more timely. Uh, this whole Mueller investigation is aimed at, in a sense, trying to get Trump out of there under the pretext that he is some kind of an anti-Democrat, even though he won a lawful election. And the only real collusion that's been demonstrated is between Obama and Hillary on the one hand and the Russians on the other. Yeah, there's a story today to back up what you're saying here. And, and that is, uh, I think it was in the New York Post, saying that it appears for the first time the story of the Russian collusion and the alleged Russian collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia is finally fading. And I think it's because we have seen investigations for over seven months now and zero evidence has really shown up. So I I and and we all know that there there was a cozy relationship. I think your book has this with Hillary and Bill and the Russians. I wouldn't rest uh, too much on this, though, because what's really going on is it's this sort of fanatical, savage intensity on the left that is going to fabricate one thing upon the other. So the moment that you knock out the Russia card, we're going to see another card just pop right into its place. Why? Because at some level, you know, we have to go back to 1860 to when the Democrats were this reluctant to accept the results of a, of, of a lawful election. Well, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I don't want to have to go back to 1860. Dinesh, it was uncomfortable when I was there the first time. Please. But no, I, well, I, I appreciate your dedication to constantly pointing us back to the honesty and the truth and pointing out the fact that in this book, The Big Lie, you can see the Nazi roots of the American left. It's not on the right. It comes from the left, people. Right on down to uh, Margaret Sanger, who taught, who's a god to the left and taught the Nazis about eugenics and taught them how to how to purge the, their society of what they believed was uh, subhuman uh, members of of, of the uh, you know, species. Yeah, there's a whole rich secret history in this book. In my earlier books, of course, I told the secret history of Hillary and of Obama. But in this one implicates all the heroes and icons of modern progressivism. Uh, and so it's uh, ideas are very powerful and knowledge is a deadly weapon. And I think that's why I write these books. And that's why I hope you'll, you'll go pick one up. Arm yourself, people. Dinesh D'Souza is the big lie. You can go to DineshD'Souza.com and see it. It's also a place if you want to get a uh, signed copy for uh, one of your friends or a fan of Dinesh's, you can do that. Thank you, my friend. Good luck. I look forward to seeing you on top of the charts. I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be right back with the Papal Ninja from American Ninja Warrior next on Puro Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We're already off to a fast start here today on this uh, beautiful Monday here in the Northeast. I hope it's a great day in your neighborhood. Write down the phone number, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. We have a new random question of the day, a vital question actually today coming up an hour from now. And our buddy uh, Ernesto Rodriguez at Nerdnesto also has a big announcement at the top of the next hour, a very big announcement especially for some of our veteran friends. Now, I'm, I'm applying the host privilege here. The host privilege, if you didn't know it, is my right to pick and choose the topics and the guests on this show. And I like to do things based on what, what catches my eye. And for a while now, probably a year, and we were late to the dance, we've been watching American Ninja Warrior on uh, NBC and its affiliated networks, trying to catch up and see all the previous ones. And just lately, really gotten into trying to understand the personalities behind this, this game. And it is a game, but it's a competition that requires athletic skill, serious training. And I don't know where half of the people who compete on the upper level find time to do it all. And then... In the backstories of these folks are some amazing tales. If you haven't seen American Ninja Warrior, it is an individual going up against some of the most ridiculous, ridiculous challenges, physical challenges I have seen anywhere. And the people are just, they're, they're physical specimens, but they also, they also are so different. Each one of them is very different. And a couple of weeks ago, I caught an episode where a young man named Sean Bryan completed the course, but he not only completed the course, which just was brutal and included this, this final challenge that you had to ratchet yourself up a 35-foot wall after going through some of the most ridiculous obstacles I've seen. And this guy not only did it, but he set the record for that day. He got through it the fastest. And he did something that made me say, we need to talk to that guy. Before he finished, he took a knee and said a prayer. And I said, look at that. Right there on network television, in front, literally in front of God and everybody. And he made it to the top and beat the record of the previous competitors. He is known to many in the Ninja Warrior world as the Papal Ninja. His, uh, his birth name is Sean Bryan, and he's with us now. Hello, Sean Bryan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. It's uh, great to be on. I am, I am uh, very impressed, not only with your, your physical skills, but um, with your, uh, your front and centerness on your faith. As a guy who grew up Catholic and went to Catholic schools, it's nice to see and uh, it's nice to see that, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask it flat out. You don't, the network doesn't give you any problem wearing, uh, wearing a garb that has, uh, obviously, connections to the Catholic Church on it, do they? No, they, they, uh, it took a little bit of uh, time to get approval, but um, I just showed them that it's, that it's the uh, papal insignia, sort of, sort of like as if I wore an American flag. They wouldn't have any problems with that. So just like the uh, the Vatican flag, so I, I wore something similar to that to show my pride and to, to show that I am Catholic. 
I, I think that's great. To, and please tell me the Catholic Church isn't giving you any trouble with it. Rome didn't call and say, hey, we want a licensing fee. <laughs> no, 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 none of that stuff. Uh, I, I've actually, I'm actually somewhat close with uh, my local bishop, and he seems to not have a problem with it. So I think I got the go-ahead. Well, you had, in your, in, your, uh, in your crew, I guess, they always have pockets of people who come and support you, aside from the people who watch the show. You had uh, an interesting group, group of people also sporting the Vatican uh, logo or flag. Who was in that group there? Uh, well, first there was my family. Uh, my, both my parents were able to make it this time. And also I had quite a few priests and brothers. I had a, one, one Dominican brother, one Dominican priest, um, a, a diocesan priest who was the secretary to, to my bishop back in Oakland, and also a Salesian priest. So I had, I had quite a few uh, representatives of the church, I guess you could say. Yeah, and they were, they were, most of them were in full vestments, weren't they? At least that's what I saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was great I, I, to I, I see. I them become like that, so they, 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 they certainly obliged. <laughs> Well, that's nice. And you work uh, for a, a Catholic organization, and what do you do for them? Who are they, and what do you do for them? Uh, I work for two different organizations. One, the Salesians. Uh, they're, they're a Catholic organization that focuses on youth evangelization. And I also work for the Dominicans, who their focus is preaching. But I do a very particular thing working on a, a project to animate the, the laity, so the, the ordinary Catholics. I help them to understand their role in, in the mission of the church and to be leavened for the world. Well, I, I think this is uh, this is terrific to see that your your work, uh, your your work as a as a Catholic and someone who shows his faith openly and honestly is also being uh, allowed to be seen seen on network television. Um, as as a young kid, I remember when the mass went from Latin to English, and it was a, a big change and meant to bring a lot more people back into the Catholic faith. Uh, and now I know that religion everywhere seems to be struggling. Religion everywhere seems to be under attack. So it really is kind of nice to see this happening. How did you go from either working in your, your bachelor's and master's in physics and theology to the American Ninja Warrior program? Well, uh, kind of just being me, I kind of fell into it. Uh, when I was in college, I really came alive in my faith. And uh, when I graduated, I, I felt a call to the priesthood. So I was discerning with uh, the Salesians, which is one of the organizations that I work with now. And I kind of decided that it wasn't quite for me, but I wanted to continue studying theology. So where, when I went to the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in Berkeley at the Graduate Theological Union, uh, I came across the Dominicans there, and the the president at the time asked me to help him out with uh, a project that he was that he was working on. So I I went ahead and did that. Meanwhile, I wanted to to still do the sort of gymnastics sort of thing, but my body couldn't quite handle that sort of um, rigor of of a NCAA athlete. Um, certain certain things uh, hurt my shoulders in, in ways that uh, I wouldn't really do in ninja. So. I started to, to translate that into, into Ninja. I uh, got a couple of people supporting me along the way, family and friends saying, oh, you should, you should try, you should try, you should apply. Um, and there providentially happened to be a, a gym that focuses on, on Ninja only a half hour from, from me in Berkeley. So it's Apex Movement in, North, uh, um, in Concord. So I thought it was Providence and that I had to, had to go in that direction. So that's, that's kind of the, the short version of how it all happened. 
Well, I like that you followed the uh, the promptings to get there. And you mentioned the three the the shoulder problems. Your bio says you've overcome three shoulder surgeries. Uh, we're talking to Sean Bryan. He is a competitor in the American Ninja Warriors. He's also the Papal Ninja. You need to tell those guys who are the uh, the two anchors, uh, the one guy whose name I can't pronounce, that it's not PayPal Ninja, it's the Papal Ninja, because he keeps getting it wrong. <laughs> I, I, I think he knows how, how, to, how to do it right. He's just trying, he's trying to be funny. He's, he's like one of the funniest guys ever. <laughs> it, are, they seem like they're fun guys, but I like to give them a hard time. Now, you, you oh, completed... Course. The the um, the last challenge you got all the way through to the end. You set the record on that one. Is the next step for you the absolute finals and the big dollar competition? Oh yeah, it's heading to Vegas for the national finals. Uh, there's four stages there though, so you have to beat every single stage in order to get the million dollars. And in the last uh, eight seasons, only two people have ever even made it to the fourth stage. But that, that's my goal. I, I've been training hard for it, and I think it's possible. Now, when you get, you say there are four stages, how much time is, is allotted to complete that? Does it all happen in one day, or do you do that over a series of days? It's over a couple of days, but uh, it's, yeah, you, don't really have, you don't really have much recovery time, I guess you could say. Yeah, your body, uh, it's got to be tough on your body. I know that it, they're five or seven or ten minutes in total length, these competitions, but it looks like it's just brutal, especially if, if you've gone through, uh, like, like you said, rebuilding your, your shoulders and, and getting that happen, happening. Uh, anything you're worried about in the finals? Um, not exactly. I've, I've been training really hard. and I'm feeling pretty good. And as long as my shoulder holds up, I, I think I'll be all right. Okay. Well, I, I, now when, when are we supposed to watch this final uh, episode here, Sean? Uh, I believe it's well, the, the, the finals for San Antonio tonight, if you wanted to, to start catching up with all, all those episodes. But uh, I think five or six weeks from now is when, it was when they show stage one in Vegas. So look for the national finals. I think it's about five weeks out from today. So we'll kick off uh, pretty much the, uh, the fall television series, watching the big finals for a million bucks. Uh, one of our interested listeners, Sean Bryan, uh, a regular listener, has asked the question, is there a, is there a love interest in the, in the Bryan household? Are you, are you a, a single ninja? I'm, I'm single at the moment. Okay, just you know who you are, interested listener. <laughs> Sean Bryan, I, I can vouch for this person, Sean. If it happens, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. But I just want to let right. you know that they've been checking in when they heard you were going to be with us they're like can you find out is there a is there a future <laughs> mrs brian so i'm sure you're getting a lot of love on tv too it's it's very nice oh yeah if if and when you win do you expect an invitation to the vatican uh certainly no expectations of the sort but uh that would be quite nice actually well i will i'll be uh saying a prayer for you on that one i will even go to uh, the uh, local, a couple of the local Catholic churches here, and light some candles for you on on behalf of that hope and prayer. But uh, I'm certainly cheering for you, Sean Bryan. You sound like a good guy, and you work hard, and it seems like this is uh, the right thing for you. So we appreciate you. That's very much appreciated, Mike. Thanks for the prayer, and certainly thanks for having me on. Well, well, we'll we'll check in. I want your second call after you win the million to be to this show because I know. I know you All got to right. call the Vatican, so we expect that second right. call to be right here. Thank you, Sean Bryan. Have a great I'll rest of your day. Right now. All right, you too.
Ah, there he goes. You know, I, I just, I'm so impressed with these people. They build, they build the obstacles in their homes. In their, they, he did talk about driving half an hour to a gym, but if you've ever seen it, they actually recreate some of the obstacles to do the training to create the muscle memory. Uh, I'm, I find it a fascinating show only, I think, because I, will ne I wouldn't complete one. I might be able to get past the first obstacle, but certainly not any of the others. All right, I got to stop. Host privilege suspended. We're back to regular order and regular programming. We'll dip into some of the politics and some of the economics uh, behind the electric car phenomenon just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We will be keeping an eye on the finals of American Ninja Warrior in a few weeks. I didn't realize San Antonio finals were tonight. I'll be watching that one. Uh, enjoyed talking to that young man. And uh, you, you out there who are interested in the Papal Warriors, <laughs> Papal Ninja Warrior status, now you know and you're welcome. Take care of your own business. But I, I'm, just, I'm just exposing the details. I want to talk about the electric car revolution, but I, I don't have enough time to get into what I think is a fascinating turn on the, on the electric car thing. And with many European countries now preparing to ban gasoline and diesel car sales starting in 2040, hmm, there are some interesting things to consider. Uh, sort of unintended consequences and economic issues to get into, and we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, I don't have enough time here. But I do have time to remind you about Relief Factor. If you are someone who's, who's you're in bed and you're in pain, you're rolling over, you got to get out when you're driving on long trips and have to stop and stretch more often than you used to, and just walking across the parking lot, is a pain because like your knees, your neck, your back are hurting you. There is a natural way to deal with the aches and pains of life. There is a, a, a natural substance that you can take that is helping me and I, I think it might help you. It's called Relief Factor. And if you want to get your life, your freedom and get back to living, you can try the three-week quick start pack. I know so many people are trying it. I know I did, and I, I'm, it's regular part of my day. It's high-quality fish oil, essential nutrients. This is what reduces inflammation, and inflammation is what causes recurring aches and pains. So go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or pick up the phone and call them. It's, it's $19.95 for the three-week quick start pack. Call them at 800 500 800-500-8384. It's Relief Factor. Now go ahead and call him. Uh, coming up around the corner, our good friend er Ernesto Rodriguez. I always want to call him Nerd Nesto because that's his Twitter handle. Ernesto Rodriguez is joining us uh, with a, a really good piece of news. Plus, um, we got to talk about kids and football. 
and this couple that's their their quest to go to every single Cracker Barrel restaurant in the country. And uh, also, big, big news about socialism. I think, I think we are, I know it's a radio show, but I'm holding up my fingers real close together. I think we are this close to becoming a socialist country. And when you hear the reasons why, the eight things that are happening that I think are proof that we are almost there. It's very disturbing. Come on back after the break. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. This is the uh, second hour of the program. And on this beautiful day here, I, I really do hope that the weather in your neighborhood is as amazing as it is here today. Yesterday, yesterday was uh, Sunday and spectacular. And I have to tell you, I spent the majority of the day in Washington, D.C. with my brother and his son watching a little tennis as uh, we prepare for an evening match tonight, a tough challenge tonight. And I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm... Hoping that uh, a miracle happens in Washington, D.C. tonight. The first of many <laughs> that I hope will happen. i got a busy day ahead of us. I, I want to encourage you, if you get time, the bottom of the hour, I'm going to point out the eight things that I believe are lining up to show that we are almost a socialist nation. The eight things that appear to be happening that were predicted over 40 years ago, that if they happened... America will become a socialist country. And there's one left that's about to fall into place. And once it does, suddenly it's like something engaged the, uh, the launch codes on the destruct mode of, of whatever has been set to take out this beautiful, free, capitalist nation. So that's the bottom of the hour. Uh, also, just keeping an eye on things in D.C., it's not a whole lot going on. The president swore in the new chief of staff, held a cabinet meeting. We, uh, we're just hopeful, I guess, that something can come, something good can come of all this change and turmoil. And we'll talk in an hour to Dr. Wendy Patrick about that. So be ready, uh, be prepared. And uh, right now we're going to check in with a buddy of ours. I was wearing his shirt uh, for uh, the 22, hashtag for the 22. Ernesto Rodriguez is a guy we connected with last fall after he got out of the army and decided enough is enough with the people in our military committing suicide that he had to call some attention to the problem. So what did he do? He walked from his home in Tennessee 2,200 miles and changed to the Pacific Ocean and did it through the harshest conditions you could imagine. Winter across North Texas to Death Valley as well, by himself. 
virtually most of the way. People would walk with him a few miles here and there, but it was his journey and his journey alone. And we followed him. And so I love to keep up with what Ernesto's doing and what he's got uh, ahead because he's not given up on this mission to call attention to the suicide problem we have with our, our veterans. And he's back. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm curious because I know when you got off on this venture, when you started your first footsteps out of Tennessee, started walking west, uh, you were a little different frame than you ended up at the end. I think you had dropped like 30 or 35 pounds by the end of it. And your calf oh, muscles were significantly bigger. Uh, where are you now? Are you keeping the weight off? Are you still in that kind of road shape? Uh, surprisingly, I'm calling you from the gym. <laughs> so, still still working out, still, uh, still keeping the, the shape. I figured it was either I was going to, sit back down on my couch and get fat again or, you know, stay, stay on a workout regimen and make sure I keep the, keep the weight off that I, uh, that I got off. Well, I, I, uh, appreciate the, the discipline that you have to have to do that because it doesn't get easier the older you get, it gets a little tougher. So I always tell everybody, it's kind of like our professors used to say, study in September, it'll become a lot easier later in the year. So mm -hmm. um, we, um, we, have, we have the good news that you're staying in shape. We have the good news that uh, you're working on the book to chronicle yeah. your adventure and your walk. And, and you've also the shirts that, uh, that we bought here to send out to some of our friends who listen to the show ha have uh, been doing some good work for veterans. I think it was Ariz Arizona was the group that was being helped by this last T-shirt. Right. The, pro the proceeds for this shirt, and this isn't like the last ones where there's a time limit, but the proceeds for this shirt are going to uh, a homeless veteran community in Tucson, Arizona. And what they do is they only take gift cards uh, for Walmart, for example, and gas cards. Uh, the reason they do that is so that they don't have any cash flow in. Uh, if they do have cash, they don't want to be tempted. They don't want to have the homeless veterans be tempted to get back in their routine of controlled substances or alcohol. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. So they buy gift cards for Walmart and, and gas stations, and that gives people access to transportation and food and clothing, et cetera. That's a really smart idea. And right. do you and remember the website for that one, that shirt? It, it's um, Sakarin Saviv, S-A-C-E-R-A-N-D-S-A-V-I-V-E. Okay, and, that sounds like sounds like my last eye chart, Ernesto. You're going to have to tweet that to me, and I will retweet I will. it to everybody. For sure. But now you've got a couple other things. One I think we can't talk about completely, but one I think we can talk about, right? You've got two big things coming up. Right. So I was, I was asked not to speak about it just because of the time sensitivity, but we have discussed it once before on your show, so if somebody listens back, They'll be able to, to hear where I'm going. I'm just not allowed to talk about it right now. Um, but I do have another project in the works with a, an actress in California. Um, her name is Julia Ling, and she was on a pretty successful show uh, on NBC a few years back. And she is a Marine, and um, she is starting up a project where she is doing a film uh, and is going to be completely run by veterans, uh, mostly Marine veterans, um, 
the difference between this and a Hollywood production is Hollywood productions, you know, fantastical and, and they exaggerate some of the, the details. Uh, this one's going to be very down to earth, uh, very gritty, but it'll be the truth. And it's, it's hiring all, all veterans to make sure it's done. So do, is there a working title, did you say, for this project? Yes, it's called Tango Down. Tango Down. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of military parlance, what does that mean? Do you know? Uh, Tango Down is uh, like enemy down. Okay. Okay. And this will be a realistic look at what happens actually in combat, in war. It'll be combat and outside of combat. So the the conflict, the the internal conflict that a a veteran has after coming back, uh, one of the major themes of this is going to be moral injury. And moral injury is is an injury that you 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 put yourself in a position or an action which questions your morals, and that uh, guilt of of breaking your moral code um, can put you into into depression uh, or or cause other you know other problems internally uh it's it's a very touchy subject because it it, it looms into post-traumatic stress but um they're not mutually exclusive it sounds like and we're talking about something pretty heavy here and that is sort of um the the spiral that can happen from from this conflict and it leads to depression and or additional problems complications with ptsd which we know all of this is related to the suicide problem we have with our vets. So this is a heavy-duty thing, and I know I, I'm pretty much guessing anybody who's been in in the service for a while and been in some of the situations faces this. This is not an uncommon feeling, is it? No, it's not. And then a lot of people, you know, categorize it as something that combat arms personnel go through and only combat arms personnel. But I've spoken to people who, who work in mortuary affairs, or they work in other uh, other facets of the military, and you're a soldier first. Of course, there are different jobs within the military, but you're a soldier first. So if you're on a, you know, on a convoy, or if you're doing a patrol because you know somebody's sick or somebody's down for the day, and you're not an infantryman, or you know you're not you don't have combat experience, that doesn't mean it can't happen to you. So we're always prepared for that. So there are other um, occupational skills in the military that suffer from. Uh, moral injury. Oh, I can imagine. I, I can imagine it's widespread. So it's it's uh, it's good that they're bringing it out of the out of the closet, out of the darkness, into the light. That's always where we seem to find solutions appear when sunshine's involved. And w- when do you think this one will be able to be seen by the rest of us? Well, I, I'm I'm heading to Los Angeles in December uh, to film. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a part of the production. Um, from from that point forward, once the editing's done, uh, the plan is to submit it to uh, the, the short film festivals, so Sundance and 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 the like. Uh, and and we really just want to show, you know, the, the 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 realness behind combat. And and suicide is such a touchy subject, and it's something sometimes I think Hollywood doesn't want to grasp onto uh, because it's so real. But if we communicate it openly, then maybe we can at least alleviate the problem a little bit. Well, I hope so. And, you know, the last time I think Hollywood really dealt with suicide in an honest fashion 
was in the Oscar-winning film Ordinary People, which I'm telling you, it was a downer. But you know what? I think it sparked a lot of conversations. And if we can, if we can stop one by sparking an uncomfortable conversation, then I think we've done a service to the men, the women, the families of those who protected us. And I think we at least owe that, that conversation and that opportunity. I'm excited for this, Ernesto. I, I know it's going to be a heavy project. I know it's going to be a project that's going to put the mirror back on everybody involved in it. So, uh, you know, you always, you always worry about folks like that. So I, yeah. I will be concerned about everyone involved in it, including you, my friend. But oh, yeah. uh, it's definitely going to take an emotional toll. I mean, the walk, the book, everything that has brought back all those memories is definitely taking an emotional toll. But, I mean, I think we need to risk that, that uh, exposure of, of your emotions so that other people that are going through these situations understand that it's okay to discuss these things. Well, you're, you're, um, you're a leader on this, and I appreciate you for being there. Now, when can we expect to see, when can we tell the other story completely? Uh, around September. Okay. Around September. So we're going to book you to be back around September. If not, you know, you're always welcome here. Uh, can I ask you a completely off topic question, but it's still military related. Mm -hmm. Are you allowed to express an opinion or have an opinion on the, on the statement or the president's wishes to keep a transgender person from serving in the military? Do you feel it's a good idea, bad idea, problem, not a problem? I, I am now a private citizen, uh, so I can say whatever I want. Okay, but, good. Uh, uh, I, I, I can see both sides of the argument, and, and I know that's kind of neutral, and maybe that's me kind of skirting away from the subject, but it's not. Uh, I, I've seen public figures and people who have no experience in the military, zero, uh, who who have spoken out uh, against or for it, uh, and and again, this is this is where we're talking about having a conversation. I think our country has lost the great art of debate, where if we hear something that we that doesn't agree with us, we shut it off, we block it, we don't listen to it anymore. We don't like being questioned, we don't like being challenged, and that's where the problem is. There could be solutions for 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 the transgender issue. Uh, I, I served with uh, people that, that are in the LGBT community, and I've never had a problem with them. Uh, I, I've never been with, with a transgender soldier uh, in, in, a, in a unit. But if that person has already gone through what they have to go through to, to identify themselves with what they want, I don't see a problem with them serving. Now, if they're still going through surgeries, they're still going through all their homework treatments, and it's going to debilitate them from the fight, that's where the effectiveness of the military goes away. See, and I think that's where most common thought happens, where most agreement happens on this topic. I think 90% of or some overwhelming percentage of Americans believe if somebody will raise their hand, swear to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and is willing to take up arms and go through training— I think we're all happy to say, yes, go. But then we get to the question of combat readiness, fitness to engage in the fight. And if there is surgery and or medical treatments and or counseling that takes 18 months to two years, then I think a lot of us go, wait a minute, that's not fair to everybody else. 
And I think that's where that's where I have the the argument in my own head. So we're kind of I think a lot of us are on the same page on this. And well, as well, we can one person solutions. called and go ahead. We can find solutions, and, and that's the problem. Like, why if 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 a, if a transgender soldier has not gone through this surgery and wants to join the military, then that person's enlistment contract shouldn't start until post-operation, where that person is recovered. Yeah. Or see, I think common sense from within is what's needed here, and and you and many others who have spoken out on this have brought that that real perspective from within to the table. So I'm. I'm happy to hear that. I'm I'm running up against the breaker, Nesto. I, I appreciate you checking in with us. Tw- please tweet me that, that web page so I can tell people if they want to jump on the bus and support the great new shirt, they can. And then uh, sure we'll be in touch on, on the next uh, big news that you'll have. I hope we can reveal it soon. Or as you said, if you can find him in SoundCloud, uh, Ernesto kind of hinted big time at what was happening last time. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the Welcome next generation to, of talk radio oh, on the oh, Blaze Radio Network. Jumping all over, people. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. <laughs> it's a Monday. I'm allowed to jump all over issues. Uh, just around the corner, we're going to ask a, a new uh, vital question and uh, also get to some of the other news. I have to get to the socialism thing, too, because I told you I would at the bottom of the hour. Plus, uh, Dr. Wendy Patrick, just around the corner. You know, I've talked about opioid addiction and the problem this nation faces on opioid addiction. And I've, I've been involved here in, in the home state of Delaware, where we live, in talking about solutions to the opioid addiction. And I don't think people really took it seriously. And maybe what happened over the past weekend will bring to light more, more information that can help people realize just how big the problem is that we face. Um, For example, the mayor of of Nashville, Tennessee, got the worst phone call any parent can ever get on Saturday night late when she was told that her son had died of an overdose. The mayor, her her 22-year-old son, died of an overdose. It's absolutely horrific. Now, do we know if it was an opioid that killed the son? No, we don't. We just know that there has been a massive increase in overdoses and opioid addiction is on such a rise. And I I think six out of 10 of these deaths have been, uh, drug overdoses have now been attributed to opioid addiction to heroin, to um, fentanyl, which is a much cheaper version, to the Percodans, the Percocets, the hillbilly heroin, as they call it. And I think that if nothing else, if this horrible story from Nashville does nothing other than bring to light the fact that this addiction crisis can hit anywhere 
in any demographic, a protected class, you would think, a politician of a major city, the mayor of a major city, it's heartbreaking. And we have to face up to it. And we're going to have to work together to solve it. But right now, it's, it's just something I don't think enough people are talking about. But it's the equivalent of uh, more than 30,000 people a year. And that's two years ago. We have to do something. It's a big problem. When we get back, I want to talk about socialism. Are we on the brink? Please, come on back after the break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I am uh, changing the schedule just slightly. We're going to get back to uh, the socialist rant because I need to get back on target for the schedule today. We did have a, a vital question up earlier, and I want you to take a look at it. The vital question of the day asks the question, would you buy an electric car? And this uh, this question of the day came from Last Friday's big announcement, the big weekend announcement that uh, Elon Musk had rolled 30 of the Model 3 Teslas out of the production line and into the hands of 30 owners, all of whom worked for him and do work for him. These are 30 people who will be, I guess, doing the initial road test on these cars. And I think it's a smart idea to put it in the hands of the people who work for you because you're, you know, you're going to get, I think, a pretty honest appraisal. And you're also going to be having people driving to work in the new cars be able to say, yeah, this worked, that didn't work. Because Tesla is trying to get its production levels up. Elon Musk is targeting to get to 20,000 cars starting in January a month. And then uh, hopefully to 50,000 cars a month by next summer. Now, the Model 3 is, is within the reach of most car buyers. It's a $35,000 base model. And then you can add on some things like premium sound and premium uh, seating and some other better speakers, et cetera, as they say. Um, accoutrement to make your car actually drive farther. You can put a little better battery capacity on it and it'll go a little bit farther. But generally, it's a $35,000 four-passenger car with a 200 and 215-mile range. So it's going to change the industry if it does what Musk says it will do. If it gets to if it gets to 50,000 cars a month at 35,000k or $35,000, not $35,000K, $35,000, it's going to compete against 
a lot of other cars. Now, the, the federal benefit, there is a tax benefit, a $7,500 tax credit available to buyers of these cars. I think it's in the first 500,000 cars sold. And once the car company sells more than 500000 then I think it drops to $3,500. So you get a little rebate from the government. And then it becomes obviously successful, so the government doesn't need to put an incentive on it. But the Model 3 came out last week. As I said, there were 30, 30 owners so far with the target of getting to uh, 1,000, I think, by September, October a month, and then getting up to 10,000 cars a month in January. Mine will probably not arrive until, oh, sometime next summer. But the question is, would you buy an electric car? The vital question. And in, in five hours, 53% of you say no. Almost 10% of you can't make up your mind. So that means like 62 to 63% of you cannot decide. And only 38% would say, yeah, I would. But my question would be, why? Why? If you never had to stop at a gas station unless you needed a bathroom or a soda, if you never needed a muffler, if you never needed an oil change, why would you not consider it? If you've ever driven one of the big Teslas, the ones that are about eighty-five dollars to $100,000, you know it's a very nice car. It's also fast as all get out. It's a really interesting car. So I just wonder, if you have a thought on it, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Now, uh, Nerf Herder 36, a regular listener of this show, said, nope, I do natural gas or propane-powered car to cut back emissions, but not electric. Well, there is the one propane-slash-hydrogen hybrid that we saw at the Freedom Fest. It's $157,000. But that's interesting, an interesting take. Uh, Benny Panella said, if it's a decent car and doesn't wear down to the point of being unusable in five years, well, of course. Well, first of all, Benny, if you take care of a car, it doesn't wear out in five years. Laura Smith, Laura Lou on Twitter said, I voted no, but my answer is not, not yet. Not enough infrastructure to support them. See, that's, that's the interesting question is, will you be able to, to get enough juice in a short period of time? I know Tesla is actually working on uh, a changeable battery, and they're actually looking at different solutions so that if they, if they had the ability to just pop out the battery and slide a new one in, just the way you do with with regular D, C, and A cell batteries, wouldn't, wouldn't you consider it then? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Scott Summers writes, I can, I can buy a lot of gasoline and repairs for my currently paid-off car with 35K, so probably not anytime soon. Now, that's obviously a very responsible position on this. So I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear from somebody who wouldn't I would love to know why or why, why you wouldn't. Now, here's an interesting sidebar to this. And this comes from the weekend edition of the Financial Times. I don't know if you've ever read the Financial Times. But in, in the, the Financial Times this weekend, a technology column 
from Polita Clark talks about the electric car revolution and how it will leave many behind. And she highlights the fact that that uh, many in the UK are now starting to ban gasoline and diesel cars after 2040. France has already done it. And we know that that Volvo is looking to get into electric only or alternative energy only cars starting in 2020. That is massive. But here's the interesting thing about this. Currently, there are only 2 million electric cars on the roads in the entire world. That's well below 1% of the global total of cars in the entire world. But the sales are growing pretty rapidly. And they believe there could be as many as 20 million electric cars on the road by 2020. And maybe 70 million electric cars by 2025. While that's good news for the climate people, it may cause a problem in terms of production of batteries, power plants that will have to create the electricity so people can plug in and charge their cars. But the other interesting thing on this is what about the jobs in the auto industry? According to the stats from Ms. Clark, the auto industry itself, if you just looked at the auto industry in America, there are 7 million jobs in the auto industry in America and another 13 million in Europe. So we have 17 million people. It's 20 million people working. Now, what happens when you change dramatically? You change how cars are made and what components are in them. And Ms. Clark cites a study by a bunch of financial analysts at UBS, UBS Financial Services. They tore apart one of the new GM cars, the Chevy Bolt. It's all electric. It's supposed to be a pretty amazing car. They found it was $4,600 cheaper to produce than expected and said that the cost like that will probably disrupt the industry leader faster than anybody understands. And they're, they're not looking at the jobs of the auto worker, but one of the interesting things in here she calls frightening. Frightening. According to the UBS people who took apart the Chevy Bolt, they said there are just 24 moving parts in that car. Just 24 moving parts in the entire car, which does seem amazing, right? Because a moving part breaks, something goes wrong, somebody has to fix it, something needs to be replaced. 24 moving parts compared to a Volkswagen Golf, which has 149 moving parts. If you've ever driven an electric car, you know there really aren't gears. There's forward, reverse, and park. Forward, reverse, and park. That's it. It's a much simplified engine. Much more simplified engine. So the car industry is not going to need as many people. There aren't as many moving parts. Combustion engines have spark plugs. Oil that has to be changed. Electric motors, the, the motors that drive these cars, don't have any of that. They don't require the maintenance. So what is this going to do to that 20 million auto workers who are out there? 
obviously you're going to have some new jobs. You're going to create jobs for people that deal in batteries, people that deal in software. But there are going to be a lot of people that either going to need to be retrained or left behind. So what's going to happen? They think, based on the UBS estimates and uh, Polita Clark's estimates in the Financial Times, more than 420,000 auto jobs in Germany are at risk by the 2030 ban on combustion engines that they are debating right now. France and the UK say 2040. Germany's trying to push it and get ahead to 2030. That's the big problem of green energy, isn't it? Nobody understands fully what the residual dangers are in terms of economic job loss, the massive job loss, and what is it going to cost to retrain people? Because they are going to be out of jobs. And in some of the cases, these jobs, even if they come back, these electric motors are going to be a lot more reliable than the old mechanical internal combustion engines. I'm just saying it's a whole new world. And like many other things, no one's thought about the repercussions. When we get back, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Cracker Barrel. Have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? One of the great things of driving around the country, Cracker Barrels. Kind of a wild story about Cracker Barrel. Now that I keep saying it, I'm hungry for a chicken fried steak smothered in gravy, right? I'll explain why I'm obsessed with Cracker Barrel today next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, wrapping up the second hour of the show today. It is kind of moving and grooving, and kicking off the top of the next hour will be our friend Wendy Patrick. We'll, we'll talk a little politics, but Wendy's got a new, a new column out. You know, she writes on a, a myriad topic. She writes on the law. She writes on politics. You can see her in, in a lot of different places, but she also writes about dating, which I think is interesting because she takes it from the point of view of all the stuff she's written about frenemies and, and all the red flags in relationships. So it's kind of fascinating. We'll, we'll dig into that next hour when we talk to Dr. Wendy Patrick. I wanted to share a story with you, um, just a, a good story, one of those things that I wonder how many others have done something like this. There's a couple, an 80-year-old couple, Ray and Wilma Yoder of Goshen, Indiana. They set a, a, a plan years ago, and it looks like they're about to complete it. Back in 1977, the Yoders met. Ray was a truck driver. And he loved going to Cracker Barrels. And I have to tell you, not a, not a sponsor of this show. I wish they were. But I do enjoy a Cracker Barrel. If we're driving anywhere for a long period of time and there's a Cracker Barrel and anybody's hungry, the Cracker Barrel plea is made. But in the case of the Goshens, or the Yoders of Goshen, Indiana, they set out 
to try and get to every Cracker Barrel in the country. They've traveled more than 5 million miles, according to their own calculations. And uh, over the weekend, they apparently were at the ribbon cutting of the newest Cracker Barrel in Livonia, Georgia. Now, that will mean they only have to go to one more Cracker Barrel and they will have visited every single restaurant in the country, all 645 of them. All they have to do now is get from Livonia, Georgia, to uh, a, an outpost in Oregon, and they will have been to every single... Cra- i got to give them credit. They say they don't always eat a, an entire meal when they get to the place, but they... They do spend money and buy a cup of coffee or some candy or something. As uh, Mr. Yoder told Fox News, we don't just pull in the parking lot and count it. We actually spend some money there. I wonder if anybody else has done this. I, I knew a guy who wanted to go to every McDonald's in the country, but that would have taken more than, I think it was at the time, more than 25000 McDonald's or 12, I'm sorry, it might have been 12,000. But this couple, the Yoders, a tip of my cap. What a wonderful way to spend some time together and get yourself a chicken fried steak and some big old cat head biscuits and gravy. Now I'm hungry and I need to take a break. We'll be right back. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Welcome to the third hour of Pure Opelka. I hope I hope your your day is as spectacular as ours is here in the Northeast. After a weekend of ridiculous rain, it was it was crazy rain last week. We finally got a break, so I'm happy about that. And I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're listening. We are, we're working hard. We're working hard to make this show live up to all the hype. And I think you guys are really a, a big part of it. You guys are the ones who help make it happen, so... Please keep downloading. Please keep sharing with your friends. Please keep telling your friends to be a part of this show. I do not have news on the eclipse day on the show. It is August 21st coming up, a Monday just around the corner. And um, there is there's a website where you can go and it will tell you how much of how much of the uh, the actual eclipse you will be able to see. 
So uh, I'll send it to you. I'll tweet that out so you can see the link to it. If I if I can't arrange it, I'm really dying to be in the path of the complete eclipse. Believe it or not, it appears the Delaware actually has a fairly substantial blockage. So while I wouldn't be if I if I had to stay here, I wouldn't be in the complete block, but it would be it would be pretty cool. It would be a substantial change from from what normally we see in the middle of the day. So I'll tweet that out to you. You can see yours and uh, some of you I, in, in our zip code here. It will be just before the end of the show and it's over 75 percent obscured. But I want 100 percent. I mean, you know, I want I want to see darkness at at two o'clock in the afternoon in Nashville, Tennessee, even though it only lasts for a couple of minutes. But we'll see. We'll keep you posted. It's uh, it's a Monday and it's the third hour of the show. And that means. We always get a visit from our friend, when I say always, it's like 99% of the time. She's got a life and has to have a vacation every now and then. But Dr. Wendy Patrick, our good friend, author, pundit, pal, drwendypatrickphd.com is where you find out more about uh, Dr. Wendy. Joins us on the phone. How was your weekend, my friend? Oh, terrific. And you know, Mike, I've always joined you when I've been on vacation. I've never missed. <laughs> You're kidding. We, th- no, you were no. actually, you were on vacation when you called us? Mike, I can't remember having a quote unquote vacation that meant being unplugged. It just doesn't happen. So it's either working remotely or working physically in my office. So wow. no, you and I do shows no matter where I am. I cannot believe that I am. I'm even more appreciative of what you give to us now. So you're, you've just gone up like two notches. Terrific. If, if there, <laughs> if there was room higher up, you've just gone up because you're already at the top Aww. of the heap. Now, Wendy, we didn't we didn't lay out too much politics because I don't want to do a little politics today, and I want to get into your new article. But the drama in the last week, especially the last weekend. In the White House, do you ever remember any administration having this kind of real actual personality conflicts and dramas this early in an administration? Well, the answer is no, but let me add a caveat to that. I don't ever remember any past administration being covered to the extent that this administration is being covered. I'll bet, and I certainly don't think it was as dramatic, but I'll bet every administration has its share of people that end up getting hired and fired and switched around the first couple of months or even six months where we are now. But I don't ever remember the, you know, the media being all over past administrations. Now, that's likely because they probably weren't as interesting in terms of a lot, like you say, of the colorful personalities. I also think it's true this, this president is being covered more because the people, at least some of the people he surrounds himself with, not only are as colorful or if not more colorful, as I think, uh, you know, our, our new press secretary showed us last week. But I also think the way the president interacts with them through the tweets, through the, some of the controversy, you know, most recently involving Jeff Sessions, that adds to the palace intrigue that I think has caused this administration to be more interesting. That's not necessarily a positive, but more interesting than anything you and I have seen before. Yeah, it's it's unprecedented, I think, is the that's for sure. The, the unprecedented presidency of Donald Trump. It's, it's just <laughs> fascinating for me to watch. But um, there there really isn't a lot going on today, which to me just opens up the um, the drama gate 
at at all of the networks because they don't have anything to report on. They all reported on North Korea on Friday and Saturday. They all reported on on the the mooch and his impending divorce. They all reported on sessions leading up to the week. And now you've got Kelly in place. And there really doesn't seem to be any. There were initial rumors that he might, he being Trump, might move uh, Sessions over to take Kelly's spot. But that seems to have been just a a weird rumor because it certainly doesn't seem like like anything like that is happening. But there doesn't seem to be actually any big news. As a matter of fact, the only news out of the cabinet meeting, which did you watch the cabinet meeting this morning? Yeah, I tried to keep I tried to stay focused and keep paying attention because it was one of the most calm, meltos meetings I think we've ever watched. What did you think? <laughs> there was one line out of it. This is the only line I think worth repeating. This was the president saying when asked about North Korea, it's all of eight seconds. We'll handle North Korea. And it'll be uh, it will be handled. We handle everything. Thank you very much. We're, we're going to handle North Korea. It will be handled. We handle everything. I remember that. That seems like that's you know the only thought? thing that came out of that cabinet meeting this morning. It, well, it's true. But you know what I thought was interesting, Mike, is that Jeff Sessions was sitting right across the table from Donald Trump. That had to have been, I mean, as if Jeff Sessions couldn't appear or feel more uncomfortable under the current circumstances. He put him right across the table. But having said that, you know, me, I'm a big body language fanatic. I actually thought watching Donald Trump when Jeff Sessions was speaking that everything about his body language was affirming and validating and approving. And I thought that was a wonderful showing of support in front of all those TV cameras and, Mike, in front of all the rest of his cabinet members. I thought that the action spoke louder than words. That spoke volumes of the fact that he does intend to keep Sessions on. That's my read. How are we not seeing you on one of the network shows with this, you know, just the camera with no audio and Dr. <laughs> Wendy's got the pointer and she's drawing the lines and say, look over like John Madden used to do. Look over here. See this. This is what's what's going on here. I, I yeah, think that would so be a fascinating segment. Hmm? Yeah. And what's interesting about looking at Trump doing it is some of some people are very good about being able to control their body language. Trump isn't so good. So what you see from him is more likely to be authentic. Now, I know he's practiced certain gestures for years, but when it really comes down to it, we watch his performance in the debates and we know that he's unable at many times to actually portray anything other than exactly how he's feeling at the time. So I just thought it was great for Jeff to be sitting there across the table and actually maybe it was a confidence booster for him. I thought you could even hear it in his voice. So I was very happy that that went down the way it did. And it tells us that he's probably going to stay in place. Well, I hope he does. I personally, that's a big personal opinion. I think Jeff Sessions is a, a star. And last week we talked to Mo Brooks about the offer he made, you know, to try and get everyone to drop out in case Sessions gets squeezed so he could come back and take his job back. And that shows you just how much love and respect is in in the world for this guy. They really do That's seem to sure. like him. Well, now That's let's get sure. to let's get to Dr. Wendy the other side. Dr. Wendy, <laughs> the advice columnist because you have such great clarity on on the stuff and you know a lot of people in this audience are working on relationships or building or finding new relationships 
And I think it's really important to get clarity on this. And, and you gave us some good advice a couple of weeks ago, but you have a new column out now, don't you? Well, I have a couple new columns, but one of them is on where to go on a first date because there are so many options anymore that it never is. It's almost an evergreen question as to in today's day and age, where do you go? And uh, one of my latest columns on that talks about the reality that, let's say, you know, I know there's these very interesting options out there. One of the ones I've been looking into lately is this, have you heard about this whole dining in the dark option where you go and it's a restaurant that's in pitch darkness? Have you heard about this? I've I've heard about it, but I thought that was like a joke and then it, it no, didn't. No, it's not. We, we actually had one here called Opaque, but it closed. But this column is about... The fact that attraction requires attention. And when people decide where they want to go and how much time they want to spend, one of the things that they can't skimp on is the opportunity to pay attention to each other. And one of the things that means is that your device doesn't sit between you on the table. It doesn't matter if it's off. Just its presence there is problematic and detracts from bonding. Your first date probably shouldn't be a movie unless you work in time either beforehand or afterwards to sit, look at each other, talk, listen. It's that kind of relational bonding that sometimes we miss when we think, oh, we're going to have an action-packed first date where we do some thrill-seeking activity. We may have a good time, but we miss the opportunity to build the kind of chemistry that will ensure a second date if it turns out we're interested in the person. So where's the best type of environment to go to on a first date? The, first, the best types of environments are ones that, that are inspiring to comfort and conversation. I cannot tell you, and I know as many of your listeners may have had this experience as well, how off-putting it can be to accept an invitation for a first date and the other person has planned some romantic candlelit dinner somewhere where it is that kind of, of forging ahead, almost an intimacy boundary violation before you even get to know each other. It is so much more comfortable for both parties to make an initial date very relaxed, a more casual atmosphere, now classy for sure, but more casual to where the other party doesn't think that it's got some expectation of intimacy. So there are all kinds of things you think through on the front end. And I don't know, my advice is to go check the place out beforehand, because sometimes in name only, and you know, you look on the website, you think you know what you're in for, but it's always a great idea to make sure that your first date is going to inspire comfortable conversation, not a sense of awkwardness and forced intimacy. I like that. That's good. A good point on the, you know, don't rush it with the candlelit dinner thing and not too romantic. But what about the experiences on a date? Like, you know, somebody says, hey, let's go skydiving. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Mike, I can answer that two ways. There is research that talks about transferred arousal. And it is true that it is empirically proven that if you engage in a risk-taking, thrilling activity with somebody else, you will feel some attraction that will spill over to the other person. And that's been replicated for decades. However, if you choose to go that route, because there is something to that, just make sure you also include some type of face-to-face conversation where you can meaningfully talk to each other, either with the front end or the back end. Now, here's the dilemma. You don't want to be out for five hours on a first date with somebody when you don't even know if you're going to click. So many people feel like maybe a first date should be a shorter, maybe coffee, a light dinner, something where if one partner absolutely has to extricate themselves, they can. 
uh, and also, there's also not that sense of obligation if you have your first date be something that's a face-to-face but that isn't too long. Maybe if you click, the next date can be that kind of a thrill-seeking adventure. That study show will build your attraction to the other person simply by virtue of engaging in exciting activity with them, even if it's an exciting movie. You know, there's even been studies where working out at a gym. I mean, there's so many different options, but the first date should be more of a getting to know you. See, I, I, I'm so far out of this world that I all of this is fascinating. <laughs> Good for you. You're, you're lucky. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's very interesting you. to me because I think the gym and yoga classes would be the last place I would want to be on a date with anybody, even a second, you third, bet. fourth, or fifth date. Just Ever. there's too many, too many sounds and there's grunting and other things and there's sweat. And, you know, it's just if, Mike, if that's going to be involved, I don't want it to be at the gym. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to get distraction. Deep. There's also distraction. One of the other things that is in my article is that it should not your first date should not be at a single event because of that kind of distraction to where you might not even realize that you're being distracted by other people that are walking by, which happens at a gym, too, that you, the first date should not be even close to an environment that is conducive to that kind of distraction. It should really be, it should definitely be public. Remember, I'm also a prosecutor. It should definitely be public and safe, but it should be intentionally strategized to maximize the opportunity to bond and form chemistry. I, I like all this is good advice. Where do we find it, Wendy? My, you know, my favorites that I always recommend to other people are there's lots of great coffee houses that are trendy, they're fun, they've got interesting menu items, but they're also not so loud that you're not going to be able to hear the other person talk. And well, that no, is I why I always column. advise, yeah, I, mean, I always advise go check it out first because you may be able to see the photos on the internet. You are not going to be able to experience the ambiance unless you're actually there. You hear how loud the music is, whether they're screaming college kids at the bar that are just you know, so rowdy that you can't have the opportunity to bond. So, but those types of more casual, but classy upscale environments, just make sure it doesn't go into the realm of candles and the romantic, because then that, that level of awkwardness is going to preclude the kind of bonding you might otherwise be able to do. Okay. Leave the phone at home or just put the phone in your car. When you're on the date or just shut it or, off or, or you know what let's maybe in your pocket on silent mode we don't want to go too crazy here <laughs> that's true well yeah i know we're all addicted but, uh, where do we find it, where that's do we right. find your column wendy uh it's psychology today it's called when bad looks good and i post all the time the, the yesterday's post is why we're attracted to our friends <laughs> You got to check this out. Dr. Wendy That's Patrick, PhD, right. psychologytoday.com. And uh, always Mondays on this show, even if she's on vacation, I've learned. Thank you, my friend. That's it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I, I tell you, I'm uh, that Dr. Wendy always surprises me. And you know, she talked about people in their dating habits. 
putting down their phones, turning the phones off. I think it's a good idea, not just for dating. I think it's a good idea for just about everything at mealtime. If you're not having a working lunch, I think it's a good idea to shut the phones down and maybe we all start communicating with each other. Maybe we all start just looking each other in the eyes and, and start saying, hey, you know, it seems like a good idea. Actually talking to each other. You'd be surprised what happens when you look somebody in the eyes as they're saying something to you. It'll make a big difference, not just in, in your life, but in theirs. There's a story on The Blaze uh, over the weekend that caught my eye, and it's about California deciding to vote to be more lenient. The story's about what's happened in the three years since California decided, you know, let's not be so tough on people. And crime is spiking in California. And, you know, then I look at the, the, the story out of New York, where New York City is, is kind of getting more lax. And I will tell you, New York City used to be a place that when Rudy Giuliani cleaned it up and then turned it over to Michael Bloomberg, and Bloomberg we worried about, but Bloomberg kind of maintained the status quo. But now New York City has a socialist mayor who's turning the city into a sanctuary city. And he's also saying we're not going to have uh, people arrested for smoking pot or urinating on the street anymore. Let's just, let's just tell them to cut it out and keep moving. Well, suddenly Times Square is now a, a war zone, pretty much. Times Square has become a place where tourists are assaulted by Disney characters demanding money. And naked women, not that there's anything wrong with a naked person, but when you got kids walking around. Come on, New York. This, this lightening up on everybody, not arresting people for urinating in the streets. We see what's happening. It's not order. It's disorder. We need the rule of law. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Checking in on the early vital question. Tesla Motors delivering new Model 3. Manufacturer suggested retail price of $35,000. Would you buy an electric car? Currently, 52% of you say no. 38% like me say yes and 10% cannot decide. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Aren't you glad you live in America? Seriously, aren't you glad you live in the United States of America? I, I, I know a lot of people right now, a lot of folks are saying, I don't, I don't think my country resembles the country that it used to be. It's changing so quickly. A lot of people saying they don't like President Trump and they wish they could move to Canada and Part of me wishes they would, because then they would experience what, what 
Kyle Earl Monroe experienced just a couple of weeks ago. Kyle Earl Monroe, he was arrested, you see, charged with attempted murder. Now, here's the weird part of this. Kyle Earl Monroe lives in uh, the Halifax region, Nova Scotia. And uh, three men broke into Kyle's home. Home invasion thing. Entered the house with guns. Three men. A struggle took place with, with two men inside. The two in the home, the people that were in the home, Kyle and one other person, managed to wrestle and, and fight and seize a firearm from one of the suspects. Several shots fired. Pew, 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 pew. The suspects ran away. The police located one of the suspects, and uh, one of the shots that Kyle Earl Monroe fired hit one of the suspects. Not life-threatening, but struck the target. Now, wait a minute. You're saying Kyle Earl Monroe was arrested and charged with attempted murder? Yes. Yes. Welcome to Canada, friends. Kyle Earl Monroe was in his home. Kyle Earl Monroe was enjoying his life. Kyle Earl Monroe was the victim of a home invasion by three men, armed men, who broke into the home. Kyle Earl Monroe was lucky enough in the scuffle that ensued to take the gun away from one of the men and fire off some rounds. You're not allowed to do that in, in Canada. As a matter of fact, you're now charged with intempt, attempted murder, intent to discharge a firearm, intent to discharge an additional firearm when being reckless, careless use of a firearm, improper storage of a firearm, pointing a firearm, possession of a weapon for a dangerous purpose, unauthorized possession of a firearm, and possession of a firearm knowing that possession of a firearm is unauthorized and possession for the purpose of trafficking. Now, that last part, I think, might be the reason why all of these other things happened. Do you think that Kyle Earl Monroe was somehow involved in the drug trade? Maybe. But still, if you are at home, minding your own business in Canada, and people break in with guns and you take one of the guns from them and then shoot that person, you are now able to be charged with attempted murder. Mr. Monroe, of course, is now banned from any contact of the two named individuals. He has to go to court as ordered, keep the peace, and be of good behavior and will not leave his residence for essential activities such as work or medical appointments has to remain in Nova Scotia, not consume drugs, alcohol, or possess a cell phone or pager. And, of course, he has to answer the door when the police come by to check his home. Aren't you glad you live in America where if someone breaks into your home and you are a legal fire owner, firearms owner, you are permitted to protect your property? Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. 
Very interesting. A couple of bits of, of news popping this afternoon. By the way, California 2028, California 2028, apparently you are getting the Olympics again. That just popped on on the news wires. California getting the Olympics in 2028. I wonder if we'll still have countries. I wonder if we'll have men's, women's, and transgender games by 2028. There's also breaking news that Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch is loose. The mooch has resigned. Anthony Scaramucci is out as communications director. So anybody who said, gee, (laughs) that Sean Spicer had the shortest term of communications director of anybody in the history of the presidency, we now have a new Guinness World Record as the mooch. Anthony Scaramucci has apparently resigned his post in the White House. What do you think? Gee, why do you think this happened? I don't know. The guy came in. He was accused of uh, bullying, as you heard. He said some things that I don't think any of us would have said in representing the president of the United States, despite what our Italian friends have said defending Scaramucci. But it appears that Anthony Scaramucci is out on the heels of his impending divorce from his second wife, the birth of his fifth child. What will the mooch do now? Now, who takes over? Do you think this is General Kelly's doing? Do you think that General Kelly, and assuming the leadership in the White House, pulled the president aside and said, Sir, with all due respect, we got to straighten up and fly right here. We got we to gotta set this thing back on a, an even keel. We need this, this ship of state to be righted. The Mooch only got, what was it, one ride? Two rides on a round-trip ride on Air Force One. Fascinating. Fascinating. It's a big, a big day. Other breaking news today. Uh, a little bit of uh, good news. And I, I think this one is, is one of my favorite strange stories of the day. Do you remember the name Steve Bartman? Steve Bartman. He was the Chicago Cubs fan who many believe jinxed the Cubs when he, he reached over and, and caught a foul ball years ago during the playoffs Steve Bartman they are reportedly giving Steve Bartman a World Series ring which they say will complete his redemption Bartman reached for a foul ball during game six of the 2003 National League Championship Series and tipped it away from a Cubs fielder And the Cubs went on to lose and not make it to the playoffs. Steve Bartman getting a World Series ring. You got to admit that this is kind of a a wonderful thing to do. (laughs) To, I guess, reverse whatever curse was left. And think how many people barely, barely made the uh, or barely missed playing for the Cubs. Bartman had a statement on this. He said, although I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, I am deeply moved and sincerely grateful 
to receive an official Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series championship ring. I humbly receive the ring, not only a symbol of one of the most historic achievements in sports, but as an important reminder of how we should treat each other in today's society. Think about that. I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, the opening statement. Can we all get a little more humble in our lives? Bartman went on to say, I'm deeply moved and sincerely grateful to receive an official Cubs World Series championship ring. I am humbly, I humbly receive the ring, not only as a symbol of one of the most historic achievements in sports, and here's the good part, but as a reminder of how we should treat each other in today's society. Good for you, Chicago Cubs. Even this South Sider can stand up and say bravo. Well done. And with that, we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Just as we're looking at the exit ramp, it looks like so is Anthony Scaramucci. Just as we suspected, just as we kind of projected, uh, the mooch is out. And it, it is believed that it was General Kelly who said, come on, people, what are we doing here? And uh, from from what we're hearing... Anthony Scaramucci realized that he needed to get out and he fell on his sword. Now, it, it is kind of amazing, kind of amazing. And if, if you're keeping score, <laughs> that's one more body checked off the list. Oh, my gosh. There is supposed to be a briefing, an on-camera briefing in about an hour at the, at the White House. Apparently at 3.45 East Coast time today, there will be a briefing. And this should be interesting, my friends. This should be fascinating to watch. So uh, I, I cannot wait to see it. And I do believe that ultimately this is better. This is better for the office of the presidency. It is my opinion, as I said last week when we talked about this, that I, I don't think it would hurt the president to be a little more presidential. I don't think it hurt the president to just maybe have a little uh, higher caliber of individual. So Scaramucci out. I wonder who's next. Wonder who's coming in next. This will be fun to watch. I'm sure uh, the liberty-loving Latino will be uh, in, up all over this. He's waiting in the wings. So this will be, be one to watch. We will see. We shall see. I did not get to, um, one of the stories I wanted to get to was the, I watched the alleged debate between Tommy Lahren and, um, and what's her name from the comedy world? Uh, the one who had the talk show forever and ever and ever, not Samantha Bee, but the other one. Uh, who's now over on Netflix. And it wasn't a debate. 
it was uh, Chelsea Handler asking questions of Tommy Laren. And there were a couple of moments in there that Laren got off a couple of good shots. When Chelsea Handler asked, what about the lying? How do you handle the lying? And pretty quickly, Laren responded, I didn't think we were talking about Hillary, but since you brought it up, and it got a big round of applause and a big laugh and hooting and hollering, but I do think the most interesting point in all of this is, and this goes back to credibility, if you're going to be credible, you have to be consistent. And Tommy Lahren spent much of the time slamming Obamacare and talking about the need to repeal and replace Obamacare. And when asked about her own health care, she said, I don't need to worry about it. I'm only 24. I'm on my parents' policy. I'm sorry, you can't slam Obamacare and demand that the, the Republicans repeal it and get it out of there and then be one of the people cashing in on it, basically, taking advantage of it. That is just hypocrisy, total hypocrisy. So there you have my thoughts on it. Uh, by the way, before we get out of here, I have to remind you one more time, if you haven't tried Relief Factor, what in the heck are you waiting for? Don't take my word for it. Go to relieffactor.com and check it out. Also, listen to what Megan out of California had to say about it. She tried it. I've been using Relief Factor for a little bit over a month. It's a 34-year-old woman that has been in a car accident. I suffered from severe neck pain, shooting pain down my arms and legs that would often cause me to limp. At one point, I was going to a chiropractor and an acupuncturist six times a week. I noticed visible improvement within two days of taking your product, Relief Factor, and it has really, truly changed my life. And it has changed mine as well. So I can tell you, go to relieffactor.com. Get the 30-day quick start pack. It's 19, or three-week quick start pack, actually, $19.95. Three-week quick start pack for $19.95. That's less than a buck a day. It started working on eight, eighth day. It started working for me. Relief Factor. Before we get out of here, I mentioned Steve Bartman getting his World Series ring. And I'm happy for Steve Bartman, a fan who almost screwed things up big time for the Cubs, who got ages of crap from the fans. But more importantly, I, <laughs> I wanted to remember a quote from Cubs manager Joe Madden, who said, look, if I'm honest with you, you might not like me for a day or two. But if I lie to you, you're going to hate me forever. Thank you, Joe Madden. Thank you, Chicago Cubs. Thank you, Steve Bartman, for being gracious and bringing clarity to the discussion. We'll be here tomorrow. Will you? I hope so. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. The Mooch is out. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.